Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin says, kind of to go along with what uh, Dr. Ames just said, what are you thinking about and dwelling on is what you're believing. What you're believing is what you're talking about, and eventually what you're believing and talking about is what will become. What you're thinking about and what you're talking about. I like this as a quote from Pastor Webb. Hearing the word causes you to believe, but speaking the word causes you to receive. He said it's, that's why more people believe than receive. To receive requires action. To believe doesn't. Interesting comment there. I thought it was really good. And I love this by Brother Hagin. It says, even when you don't feel spiritual, your words of faith will work for you. <laughs> Man, I've been there a hundred thousand times over when you don't feel spiritual. You know, but your words will work for you. Just so many wonderful wonderful things that we could say you know quotes and different things but I'd like you to turn with me if you don't mind to uh, the book of uh, Hebrews oh praise God my church already knows me in Hebrews we're tight <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 well let's go to chapter 3 let's pick up three scriptures here in this book real quick and then I'm going to share a testimony a little bit and then we're going to continue to talk about our confession of faith not just any confession, not just any words, but words of faith. Words based on God's Word. We're talking about saying what God says about us. And by the way, you're not going to find that in the Old Testament. And whatever they had back there is inferior to what we have. We need to get that straight. Hebrews will tell you that we're better covenant, better promises, better blood, better high priest, better mediator. Everything's better. And I'm not making fun of the Old Testament, but I live over here in the letters because the letters are written to us that are in Christ, and that's what we are. And a lot of times we, we're confronted with that, and we don't feel like we're that. We don't look like we're that when we start, maybe. And you know, let me say something else about your confession. You know, Jesus said that, uh, you know, a good man out of the good deposit brings forth good things. The evil man out of the evil deposit brings forth evil things. There's two different areas here. But first, when you start saying things, you don't believe it. You might tell me or I tell you, but I don't believe it either. When I first see it, yeah. I've got to put it in. And he says, out of that deposit shall come good yeah. things. Yeah. The, it, when it goes in, you're depositing. When it comes out, you're creating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. come on. Amen. And it takes time to get that seed in there and get it watered and get light on it. And if you'll stay with it. Amen. I've got I, my st materials out there. I've got a single tape back there called Stay With It. There's people that are easy to quitters. You're never going to get a hold of much. You might get a little dripping off some of us that... You know, know a little more, but you won't get up into the fullness, and I won't either if I don't stay with it. Yeah, that's Amen. Been with the same woman almost 40 years, been with the same Savior over 40 years, been with this church almost 28 years, been with Dr. 20 years. I'm a long-termer. Hey. I'm not an in and out or up and down. Or, I mean, I've, I've felt in and out and up and down, but I don't live like that. I just push those feelings to the side and just stay with those that God told me to stay with. Hallelujah. <laughs> Preaching pretty good. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, that's me and you. And I know sometimes we look at our lives and say, well, God help me. But take, take a hold of that and begin to call yourself that, a holy brethren or sistren. 
partakers of the heavenly calling, your callings, my calling, all of us, no matter what office we stand in or ministry of helps, shepherd and sheep alike, apostles and sheep alike, we're all in a heavenly calling of some manner. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, the anointed Jesus. The reason I'm bringing this out, this word profession is the word in the Greek homologia. And that simply means to say the same thing as the word. Logia comes from the word logos. That's the word for the written word. So what he's saying is here that Jesus is positioned as the high priest or to carry out the confession of our faith that says the same thing that the word says about us. When we say anything contrary to what this says about us, we got another group over here called demonic powers and principalities and so forth and demons assigned to try to take to try to derail us and they go into operation because the power of life and death's in your tongue. It's in my tongue. It's not, you know, everybody wants to blame somebody else. We got this no-fault society now. It's always somebody else's fault in my life, and I'm the way I am. But we created it ourselves by our words. And even if life hadn't been fair to you, nobody said it had to be fair to you. Jesus will be fair to you. Jesus will be more than fair because he's a merciful high priest. He'll overlook some stuff for a while and cover you by his blood and hey, and be our advocate when we miss it. But he expects us to get on course somewhere down through here. Hallelujah. So Jesus is anointed, this is what I want to say, to carry out your words of faith. See, sometimes you can feel like you've got to carry it. No, he's just telling you to talk right. You're going to have to think right and believe right and talk right. And Brother Hagin has a great series on that. But what we're talking about is our words of faith based on the written word. If we'll say that over and over again. And you know, nobody said it had to be fun for you. I don't know where the body of Christ thinks everything is fun. I, I never said it was fun. I, it's fulfilling. I'm obedient the best I know. And when I made mistakes, I've corrected it. But God didn't say I had to have a fun time about it. Just that, this is what I want you to do. Just, just do that. And I don't know why sometimes people think we've got to have some feeling to associate with everything. This is why a lot of people never get very far in God. They get mad at me here in this church. They're offended. They run across town to my friends. And they stay with him for six months. And he says something they don't like. And they run to another friend somewhere else. They can't stay with it. But if you'll talk, start talking right, you'll build into yourself the capacity to stay with it. <laughs> Let's go to Hebrews 4 now, verse 14. I'm going somewhere tonight. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then, again, he's, he's kind of going back over this thing that we catch it. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, that's the believers, hold fast our confession. That's the same word, homologia. Holding fast to the word of God that's in the word, we're holding fast to that. Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. When's the last time you said that? When's the last time you said it for a month? When's the last time you said it for six months? When's the last time you said it for six years? I know I've been saying it since 1979 when I began to understand that. And it doesn't look like I was having victory in every area of my life. Sometimes the devil just waylaid me it looked like. And it stayed that way for a while, but I just kept on with the Word and kept on with my confession. I'm no hero. I'm just telling you how it'll work if we'll work it. Remember, doctor talked about last, take no thought saying. The thoughts that get in you and then you repeat that aren't from God, that's what's hurting you. 
You've got to learn to judge those thoughts. Are they coming from God or me or the, the devil or whatever? And begin to put them on course in. So he's telling us again, let us hold on to. Don't, is there, well, if it says hold on to, then there's going to probably be enemies that try to get pressure on us to turn loose of. I remember I was, we were trying, I was trying to get a refinance for our back building after we built that. And I mean, I went to bank after bank. My own bank here that paid them back a half a million dollars in five years turned me down. Then they, then they called me up, belly ached about it later. And, they, and she, my secretary said, well, Dr. Jacobs gave you several opportunities. He called down there and talked to you folks. And you told him you weren't going to help him. So I went to all these other banks and different things. Trying, and I, I, somebody's anointed to help me. Right. I call it slam a door, kick a tire. <laughs> until somebody says yes. That's right. Well, I got, that thing began to bear on me. Like doctor was talking, pressure can get on you. Man, I got frustrated about that. Just that one thought, that was frustrating me. I wanted to refinance. I wanted somebody to help me and somebody to do what's right by me. I wanted the bank I worked with. I'd still be with them today if they hadn't jacked me around. We're talking about words. We're talking about things. So that got on me, and I started talking wrong about this refinance. And I was so under pressure, I, could, I didn't even discern it in my own mouth. And one day we're sitting having breakfast, me and my wife, and, she, and I made a comment, and she looked at me, and she goes, Michael. Well, she does it like that. That means I'm in trouble about something. <laughs> it's not honey and yeah. Michael. Michael. And I said, what? See, see, I didn't even hear myself. She said, did you hear what you just said? I said, I don't know if I did or not. What did I say? And she repeated it back to me. And, of course, being a good husband, I wanted to rebuke her. <laughs> I wanted to defend myself. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. But we settled that a long time ago that we gave each other permission to correct each other when we knew something was out of line with what we're saying. And she said that back to me, and I went, oh, my Lord. And I threw my hands up, and I said, Father, forgive me for being in unbelief and doubt, fear. I, didn't even, I was so over there under the pressure that I didn't even recognize I was talking. And she could tell you, she lives with me. I don't talk like that. I'm not talking about in front of you. I'm talking about with her daily activities in the car, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, whatever. I just don't talk like that. And that shocked me. And I, I realized, and then I said, repented to the Lord, and then I turned to her and I said, Honey, I'm sorry that I'm not in faith about that. I change it right now, and I'm in faith, and it's coming to pass. And it came to pass shortly thereafter. Hallelujah. But see, my words got to where they got in my mouth. I, had, I was thinking about it. I was thinking wrong about it. And it was holding up my breakthrough, holding up my, my, the victory in that. See, I should have just rolled all the care in the Lord and said, Father, it's your deal. And I believe you're going to work on somebody to call me or I'll call somebody. Somebody give me a card and I'll call that person. And Hallelujah. <laughs> I wasn't holding fast to my confession of faith let's go over to, to Hebrews 10 here and look at this verse you're still with me aren't you I got some good things to share tonight we got plenty of time to do it we're just getting it warmed up getting the can opened Amen. hallelujah Amen. your words will take you somewhere James you know doctor asked me last night in the book of James you know we're here in Hebrews but the third chapter says your, your words can turn a, a, a ship it's like a rudder it could turn a horse like a bit It'll take you from A to B if you'll stay with it. You know, so we just have to understand what we're talking about. He, Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us, again, the believers, hold fast 
hold on to, don't turn loose of, the confession, I've already explained that, so we know that really word, the word in the Greek is confession, the confession of our faith, and ours italicized because it wasn't in there to begin with, it's a confession of faith or confession of the word of faith. When it says faith, it means the word of faith without wavering. See, that's where we've got to stay with it. It's, it's, real, it's really thrilling. Doctor did a series years ago on getting to the other side. What a profound series. And if they have it back there, you ought to get it or order it from you. I think there's four CDs in that. Everybody's happy. Their flags are waving. The confetti's going. We're shoving off from the shore. We're going to the other side. Get out there about, you know, a mile in the ocean and have a little storm. Oh, take us back. Oh, my gosh. We didn't know we were going to have to believe something out here. And uh, we got to hold fast to our confession of faith without wavering without you know getting over in unbelief after a little pressure comes or maybe there's pressure at first and you break through that and go along a while and then another pressure comes another pressure different things I don't know we're not confessing that but we realize we've lived long enough in God now to understand that that does happen and if we're not careful we start waffling or wavering and James says a man who wavers won't receive anything any anything from the Lord so we've got to understand how important this is. I want to receive from the Lord. Yes. It, if the truth was told, it's all about you learning to receive what's available. Yes. Me too. But here he says, without for he is faithful that promised. So, when I, so I know he's talking about what his word has promised us. That's what he's talking about here. Let us hold fast to our confession of the word of faith or the word of God knowing, without wavering, knowing that he is faithful that promised. We've got to get that in our hearts. Sometimes people say a lot of things. Most of them don't do what they say. But we need to be covenant-minded and watch what we say. Don't say it if we're not going to do it. So we're talking here about holding on to the Word of God. I remember my wife here, Diana, when my son was born, he's 25. He's in the back because he's got a little baby, brand-new baby, about eight weeks old. And he and his wife are sitting back there with the baby. But uh, my wife got pregnant, and we went to the, to the uh, lady doctors. You know, it was a couple of them. We, the one was a Catholic, one was spirit-filled. We liked them both. Actually, the Catholic delivered both of our children. Catholic man, we liked him. He's went to heaven now. But we, said, we went that first visit, and he examined her, and they did ultrasound. And they said, well, we've got a problem. So we went in his office. He began to explain to us, you know, she's... Uh, placenta privia which means the placenta is attached to the front of the cervix the baby can't come out we're going to have to have a c-section and he began to talk to us if the baby makes it all through that a lot of times when ladies have that then ladies bleed and and have you know uh, have the baby way too early and all kinds of issues well I, I we just sat there and we're not arguing with the doctor I'm paying him to tell me what he knows he's a very sweet man we we were listening just you know listen to what he had to say and he just acted matter of fact you get a little further down the road in this we'll just set a date if you if you're still able to carry this child and we'll just have a date you come in we just do a c-section well i could feel almost feel the fear try to get on my wife right then we already had our daughter you know we're not we're not condemning anybody's had a c-section maybe that saved the mom's life and saved the child that's fine but in this case i just something rose up on the inside of me not in front of the doctor I, he's not my enemy and we were, we were on the, we were up second or third, fourth, fifth floor, maybe seventh floor. I said, let's take the stairway. 
And we went into that stairwell, and it's concrete and steel, and that door shut, kaboom. And I took her by the hand, and I said, you're my wife. This is my seed. Don't even get involved with it. I got this. I command this thing to move and get where it's supposed to be. And this child will live, and it will come the way God created you to have babies. And I said, I really don't want you to even get your faith in this. I got this. Now, I'm not being a smart aleck or, you know, whatever you call that, you know, just blowing hot air, but I just knew I had it. You know, if you don't know you have it, don't tell your wife stuff like that. Or you husbands or wives, either one. But when you know you got it, you just get it. You get with it. You know, faith is aggressive. And so we, I put my faith on it right there before we ever took a step down the stairwell. Just me and her in that little stairwell there. Remember that door shut and it just impressed me. Boom. I said, well, we're in here by ourselves, me and you and God. And I began to talk to her about my faith and talk to her about this child that was in her. And every month we went back, they checked her. They said, yeah, it's just like we thought. Month after month and then three, four, or five months into it or whatever, she might know better than I. But I came home several times from work. She's laying on the couch, said, honey, I'm bleeding. And I'd say, in Jesus' name, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. I command that to stop. And I reminded God and the devil both. I said, I, this placenta is going to move. And this lady's going to have a baby the way God created them to have them. And that's the end of that. And that just went on and on and on. All kinds of symptoms. Month after month. After, every month I went back to the doctor with her. I went with her. He confirmed that it was like he said. He didn't confirm it was like I said. That I just stood my ground. I was just adamant. You know, some things I've wavered in, I'm, for, I'm not telling you about that. I told you about the building. But this, you know, you just learn to get tough on yourself and your flesh. And, and you know, I'm not against the doctor. I'm not telling him how to run what he does. But I just held on. I mean, tooth and toenail. I mean, I just wouldn't turn loose of that. And finally, right before she had the baby, they said, hey, guess what? And he told us the first session, the second, the third, the fourth, the sixth, seventh, eighth month, this don't move once it's planted on the inside of a lady that just stays wherever that gets embedded the placenta he said you know what this placenta moved <laughs> what did doctor preach last night you gotta say it to move it you gotta say it to move it don't stand idly by and wonder why you gotta say it to move it that, that's us all you know, our problem is sometimes we want to tell it like it is. Well, that's just the way it is, Pastor. You know, I remember that. You remember that old song? Tell it like it is. Oh, baby. Tell it like it is. I'm at a TAC dance, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. High school. High school dance. No, you need to tell it like you want it. Tell it like you can have it. Tell it like you want it. I just feel like singing. I didn't say I could sing, but I feel like it. As my son sitting back here, 25 years old, had his own baby now, married a wonderful young lady. He's serving God. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for what he's done in your life. Things you've held on to, things you've confessed and stood by and God stood with you and God brought it to pass. We're so grateful, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me show you something else here since we're close to Hebrews. Go back to Philemon, that little book right before Hebrews here. I want to show you something that blessed me a few years ago. I did some study on this one verse, verse 6. And uh, 
before we read that, we might say it this way, the more you say it, the more you'll have it. The more you say it, the more you'll have it. You know, I was praying, and some people in this church, a lot of people really, are very generous givers and very committed to help me and help the church. Being the leader, I don't mean just help me personally. They do that too, but help us move forward in the vision. But I was believing for God to give us some people that had the ministry of giving. And finally I said, Father, give, give one of those tags to me. I'll take it. Yeah. Amen. And you know, since I said that, I put more seed in the ground than I put in my entire life. Yeah. In the last year or two, my secretary can tell you, I'm not bragging on me, but I just stepped up. And money started coming to me from all kinds of resources, and I started investing it. We've paid bills. We've done all kinds of stuff to our buildings, things that nobody knows about but me and the staff. But still, yet. Yeah, what happened is it exploded. Of course, I didn't start this last week. <laughs> you know, what I mean is in my faith life. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes, you know, I lived in a house they condemned when I moved out, and I was a pastor. That was my second church. And I had to put out, uh, you know, mousetrap, to, to, and they'd snap all through the night if I was a good seamstress. I could have made my wife a coat. I lived there for two years. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not making this up or evangelistically. I'm not doing that. It's the truth. And so, you know, we haven't always been at this level. I'm not bragging on anything. I'm just, my Jesus, if I'm bragging, I'm bragging on what he's done. I mean, I'm not that smart. I'm not that what anything. I just, I'm in him. He's in me and he helps me. So I just said, give me one of those tags. But you know, I noticed when I got aggressive about it, God started opening up other revenues and other resources and things like that. Praise the Lord. And he'll do so. And the more we say it, the more we'll have it. The less we say it, the less we'll have it. It's in any area of your life. The more you say it, the more you'll have it. I'm getting ready to teach on sexual things in this church coming up I taught on the family last year 10 or 12 lessons maybe more but I saved this part for it to be a separate part about how to be friends and lovers in your marriage and you know if you're not talking right about that you're not having that you know if you start talking right about your wife and your husband then you begin to have a warm feeling towards each other instead of being distant well I'm not teaching on sex tonight somebody got excited but I'm not going there <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am a prophet. I do know a few things. Okay, <laughs> kind of teasing with you, but that's coming. Anyway, verse six says that the communication of your faith, of your faith, of thy faith, your faith, your personal faith, may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we feel so insecure I've been there so unworthy so incompetent maybe maybe those are too strong of words or maybe they're not strong enough I don't know but we feel a lot of things sometimes all of us I know when I got saved you know I was a drug addict and a drug dealer and, and then I felt like I lost my mind you know I couldn't think right I couldn't function I thought you know I'm just being honest I'm going to be dumb the rest of my life I don't know what I'm going to do I loved God, but I couldn't think right. It had no memory sometimes. I, sketchy and trying to talk and think. It scared me at that time. Anyway, I'm talking, see, and you know what we can happen to us, we start talking down about ourselves. The Bible says be humble. Be humble means you receive yourself the way the Word sees you. You don't demean yourself. 
but it says right here, your, your, the communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in the anointed Jesus. We need to know what we are in Him and then start talking that way because as we do that, this is what I found out. I, did a, I couldn't find my notes on that, but I studied it a couple years ago out thoroughly. This word effectual literally means that the word becomes an antidepressant to you. I just did a study on, uh, I taught on deliverance a while back. I think Sean ran some things off the, the internet for me about depression. Billions and billions and billions of dollars are spent every year for people who can't go to work because they're depressed. The antidepressant medicine stuff is off the chart. I used to be a drug addict. I know about drugs and how that, and some of it's just legal and some of it's illegal, but it's all just the same thing. It mess you up. Now, you can take it if you need it for a period, you know, whatever kind of drug, if you need it. We don't want you to have, you know, go on to be with the Lord early. But I'm trying to show you something. Your mental health, I did, we did some stuff, didn't we, Sean? Mental health, emotional instability. And uh, we found, I was just was staggered by the amount, and the amount of children up to the age 14, it was just unbelievable how much percentage of those kids suffer from mental and emotional problems. I mean, billions and billions of dollars in rehabs and everything else. And I'm not making fun. I've been in rehab for a drug addiction. Came out a worse addict than when I went in. I was sniffing glue in the bathroom at the rehab. I know what I'm talking about here. But my point is, if you'll speak the word constantly, yes. find things that deal with, like 2 Timothy, what does it say, 1, 7. God's not given us a spirit of fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. Start talking like, I have a sound mind. The Amplified Bible, which in my opinion is the closest to the Greek. I took Greek in seminary. I'm not a scholar, but I can read my books. And I know the Amplified's never let me down in the New Testament. When I went to the Greek to check them, they're totally 100% on. And it says you can have a sound and calm mind. Isn't that what it says? Oh, praise God. You ought to talk like that. I'm not making fun. I'm just, you know, people sometimes do a lot of things under pressure. Even parents put their kids on certain things. But you need to do some research, not just because the doctor says you ought to give them that. I've had four or five kids in my church. They all end up being addicts. Some of them are in jail tonight because they got hooked on pharmaceutical stuff to keep their kids. You know, they got all kinds of initials on everything anymore. But what needs to be done is parents need to be parents. Well, I'm preaching. Sh- sh- pull, Pam. Pull, Pam. Pull, Pam. <laughs> if you'll speak the word and acknowledge what you have in Christ, what you are in Him, not what you are in the natural or what you think of yourself. You know, I was studying that one time. I think it's in Second Corinthians maybe. Five, it says, no, I, now we know no man after the flesh. And the Lord said, your problem is you know you after the flesh and you think about yourself. You don't do that with other people. You believe the best of them as a pastor and stuff. You need to start doing that with yourself. See yourself after the Spirit. Amen. I am what God made me to be. You understand? What I, talk to ourselves like that and quoting the Scriptures, not demeaning ourselves, but acknowledging every good thing that we have in it. What do we have? Well, we have authority over all the works of the devil. We have dominion. We've been seated with Him in heavenly places. Places far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, every name that's named. Yeah. Wait, we start thinking and talking and thinking and talking and thinking and talking like that. What's going to happen? Man, I mean, if there's any heaviness around you, it's going to depart. Yeah. Come on. That's true. Isn't that right? Yeah. 
And this word will cause you and I to be a sound person, spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. So let's go over here. to Let's go back to Proverbs 18. You're still with me, aren't you? Proverbs 18. We're, we're talking about holding fast to our confession of faith, or we could even say we're holding fast to our confession of what the Word says we are. Uh, we could go a lot of places, and I got, I got several more scriptures, and I think it'll help you if you give me a little more time here. Uh, I'm not ready to close yet or anything, and I'm not going to wear you out either, but uh, Proverbs 18:21. I'm sure we all probably know this verse, death and life, and notice that, that he puts death first. He's, you know, whoever wrote this here, he's kind of got that more in his mind than the life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Really, the word in the Hebrew there is uh, the authority of your tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's hard to believe people would pick darkness over light, but I've seen people do it, in, even in my own church. I had to counsel a gentleman a while back, and I said, you know, uh, you're, you're just not right. I'm willing to help you if you want to repent and be accountable. If you're not, you're gone because I can't trust you around my sheep. He said, you just blankety-blank out of my life. I said, fine. There's the door. Just keep going because I'm not going to let you be around my sheep unless you're ready to repent. Hallelujah. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, you know, however we talk, though, look at this. Death and life are in the power, the authority of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I've, I've watched people over time, and I'm not, I'm not rejoicing in any of this, but have taken a wrong attitude, negative attitude, and watch where their life went, their families went, their children went. Right. None of it was good. So we do have here this word in the Hebrew on the power. It's really authority, and it means ability. And another word in the Hebrew came up in studying that, the direction. The direction I want to go is in my tongue. If I want to go somewhere with God in His Word that He says I can go, if I'll start talking like that, then my tongue will take me that way. My words will take me that way. Hallelujah. Let's go to Proverbs 16 and look at something here. 23 through 20. Uh, uh, let me see here where I want it here. 23 and 24, 25. 23 through 25, Proverbs 16. The heart of the wise... We're talking about words, and we're talking about that because that's the theme so far of this meeting. Doctor started out last night. Take no thought saying. Stop. Stop worrying. Stop complaining, whatever it is, and get on course. See, I got into that with that building. I started being negative, and, I, and it just came gradually. I didn't realize that it was starting to control my speech. It snuck up on me, and my wife had to correct me. And at first, you know, like I said, I wanted to defend myself, but... I knew I was busted. I knew the Lord was disappointed right then in what I was talking. Because faith pleases God. Unbelief doesn't please Him. And my wife, you know, wonderfully said, Hey, honey, you know, you're not talking right. So the heart of the wise teacheth his mouth. Notice that the heart of the wise. Once you get revelation in your heart and you're wise about it, then you begin to teach yourself with God's help, the Holy Ghost helping us, and teachers and ministers, teaching our mouth and add learning to his lips. Add learning. I've heard people say, I can't understand the Bible. Well, they just violated this scripture right here. He said, you could say, I'm adding learning to my lips. I'm learning. I'm learning to talk different. I'm learning to believe different. I'm learning to think different. 
You know, I don't know it all. I got, I got corrected last night in the meeting too, but it was a good correction. You know, those of us that are wise, we consider it instruction, not rebuke. You know, if we're wise children under somebody that's trying to help us, we consider that wise instruction. And he goes on to say here, pleasant words. Now watch how your words affect you. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul. That's your mind, your will, and emotions can be ministered to by the words you speak and health to your bones. My, it blesses your body. It blesses your, your mentality. Oh, my goodness, pleasant words. Are you listening to me? And, and, and what I'm trying to point out here, sometimes it takes some teaching to get in us to see that and some learning. You know, people that don't understand that, they will make fun of us who teach faith. Well, I just don't believe in calling something that's not. Well, yeah, you do. You believe the meteorologist. He says it's going to rain tomorrow. You've got your raincoat by the back door and your umbrella. And you're all ready for rain. You haven't felt a drop yet. You haven't seen a drop yet. You believe a meteorologist that may be hanging out at the bar when he's done with the me- weather. And you won't believe what it, God says. You, you, people believe it. They just believe it in reverse and for things that are not critical sometimes. But we've got to learn that our words are affecting the way we think. Listen to me. Don't be saying I can't get over it. You can get over anything. You can get over anything with Jesus. He can make you sound, and you're just as unsound as a $3 bill. I'm talking from experience here. So begin to say you have a sound mind. Begin to say, God, you're helping me to think right, and I'm teaching myself about the way I talk. Hallelujah. One time I said to the Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. If I'm about to say something I shouldn't say, speak to me on the inside. I'm going to do my part to read the Word and do that, you know, and get more word in me where I can be more sensitive about how I talk. But I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to help me. And you know, he's done that many a time. He said, don't say that. <laughs> I remember a few times he said, if you said that, you'd be 100% right, but that person would never talk to you again the rest of your life. You've done lost them forever. So don't say that. People can't handle that level of intensity sometimes. And he was right. And, you know, I just held my peace and tried to love that person and got things turned around eventually for him. Are you listening? Hallelujah. And God does that with me too. I'm grateful. Notice verse 25. There is a way that seemeth right. Talking about these words and getting, having our, our, our hearts begin to get the word in it and then we begin to teach our mouth. And it says here, there's a way that seems right unto a man. Well, that's just the way it is, Pastor Jacobs. What do you want me to say? Well, it's not what I want. It's what you need and what God wants and he wants you to call things that be not as though they are and they'll become that way so if you don't like what's happening then check up on what you're saying check up on what you're thinking but there's a way that seems right unto a man but notice this but the end thereof are the ways of death I'm thinking of a relative I, I got him some material I got him books I tried to talk to him but they're just not receiving it. They're just not going to have that. Yeah. They're just going to go on and suffer sickness and disease yeah. and doctor after doctor. Yeah. And they're not listening. Yeah, they're not. They're just not listening. They're so far over there now. I mean, I've been, I worked on them for 15 or 16 years. I laid hands on them. They got healed of cancer. But after that, they just never went anywhere yeah. except to the doctor. 
and just got renewed. I said, did you ever listen to those tapes by Gloria Copeland I gave you? No. Did you ever read the book by Bosworth? Nope. They're not interested. I love them, but I can't help people that won't listen. So I'm just talking here, but there's a way that seems right to some people, but we need to be checking up. Where's it ended? Where's it taking us? Oh, my goodness. Let's go here to, to Psalm 45. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying myself tonight. I'm just because God's helping me. <laughs> the power of life and death is in my tongue. Notice these scriptures all deal with something personal to you and me. Hallelujah. I know my, I think my second church, I wore the carpet out, didn't I, Dale? We, just walking around confessing the word every day. I'd spend several hours a day. Just con- not, I'm not saying I'm a hero. That's not what. But I just got committed to it and said, I've got to do this in order to get this in me. And I would find the scriptures that promised me whatever it is I needed and began to confess them over and 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 over. Yeah, I mean, I'm not bragging on me, but I knew that's my only, that's my only hope to get my life straightened out. I told Dr. Dufresne the other day, Pastor Diana will remember it was 19, about 1979, somewhere around in there, maybe 80. I, we still lived in Otisco. It had to have been 78 or 79 in the house that they condemned after I moved out. No closets, no, no flooring, subfloor through the whole house except the bathroom kitchen was linoleum, and it should have been ripped up. It was so nasty looking. But anyway, moving right along, I, I got on Dr. Dufresne's mailing list. I have no idea how I got on it. I didn't, I didn't even know he existed at that point in my life. And I started getting this little Jesus the Healer magazine in the mail out in Otisco, which is not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> they had a little post office at one store, no stoplights, no stop signs. You just run right through the town with your car, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I got on that mailing list, and I was reading those. I said, man. And so I ordered some of his tapes, some tapes on laying on the hands. I never will forget it. And I was laying in bed listening to my cassette player, Dr. Frank's preaching. And I said to my wife, I said, wouldn't there, that be like to know a man like that? That was 1979. 1979. And in 1993, God hooked us up together. Thank you, sir, for receiving me. <laughs> I'm easy, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be a problem, child. <laughs> Here we are in, uh, uh, in Psalm 45. Is that what I ask you to turn to? Okay, Psalm 45. My heart is in verse 1, is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Now, he's not talking about dipping our tongue in an inkwell and trying to spell something out. You know, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying... But, you know, the biggest, the biggest illustration I ever saw of this was a few years ago. I, the Simons, Pastor Johnny and Debbie, uh, are good friends of ours, family we call them. Uh, we honor them, we respect them greatly. And, they, and I went to, up to their church to preach. I don't know how many years ago that was when we started going, but one of those earlier trips, uh, Jacob and Jessica were with me. And uh, they, they said, we know you like Nordstrom's. Let's go to San Francisco and eat down by the wharf and... And they, we got on a trolley car, and they took us to this nice seafood restaurant. In fact, in fact the, uh, what do you call that underground subway thing, came right up under Nordstrom. I thought I'd went to heaven. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So we went down to the, the, by the ocean there. We could see Alcatraz in the distance. Just a wonderful day. And we were coming back by some little uh, uh, trinket stands, I'll call it, you know, beads and just different things that people have with little canopies. And there was a person sitting there like doing a caricatures of people with some pens on big sheets of paper and on an easel. So my son-in-law and daughter sat down, and this lady started doing her, man, I don't remember. Who, but every time they took that, you know, it's a blank piece of paper, and they took one stroke at a time, and that verse started rolling around in me as I watched the image of my kids come up on that paper. And the Lord said to me, you know, that's what confession is like. You, every time you say, by my stripes, you are healed. There's a, by my stripes, you were healed. He took my sicknesses and diseases and bore my pains. And when all that image gets done because your tongue has painted the image of it on the inside of you, then it'll be in reality to you. Your faith will be built and it'll come to pass. And one day you wake up and say, no, by his stripes, I'm healed. Whatever you had just takes off. Because you've come into creative power now, which is faith. Maybe you didn't believe it fully when you started saying, but you kept saying it in your your tongue was like a pen, like that lady doing that, that easel that day. It just so affected me. So just keep at it. Just keep at it and stay with it. Let's go over here for just a minute here. I've got a few more things to say. Proverbs 15, 4. And also with that, I'd like you to turn the next book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes also chapter 10. But let's go to Proverbs 15, 4 first, and then we'll go to Ecclesiastes 10 and look at these two verses together. I think you'll say a lot to us. You getting anything tonight? I'm talking to you about holding fast to your confession of faith. You know, I mean, some things are bigger and some things are smaller, but we need to keep holding on to our confession of faith. I, I got this uh, revelation came from God. I don't have time to go into great detail now, but somebody's anointed to help you. If you only bought one thing off my table, it's just a single, I'd get that. Somebody's anointed to help you. I'm anointed to help somebody, but... Somebody's in order to help me. <laughs> and sometimes I go through the coffee shop just a mile or two away, and the lady will say, well, Pastor Jacob, somebody three or four cars before you paid for yours. Well, who was it? Well, I don't know. Well, sometimes I don't even know who got my coffee. I went at a Perkins restaurant one time coming back from Pastor Eberle's, and the manager was real friendly, and I said, I'd like to get a muffin or two. And he said, I, you know... Buy six, and I'll give you six. I said, sir, I only need one for me and one for my wife. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. Buy one, and I'll get the other one free. See, somebody, I didn't ask for a deal. He brought it on to me. A guy called me yesterday with uh, my house and wanted to help me. He said, and I, I said, I'm not being smart. Like, how come you to call me? I didn't call you. You're talking about me saving 50 grand in the next 10 years. And reducing everything, how come you to call me? And of course, he said, "Well, you you were selected because of your payment. You make your payments. You've made every payment since you bought the house, and there were some other criteria that we met. But man, it was the easiest thing I ever did as far as talking to the guy. He didn't want no money from me. He didn't. My house doesn't need to be appraised. I mean, it's just supernatural." Somebody's anointed to help me. The other, the other guy on the follow-up called today. I just didn't have time to call him back to confirm a few things. But see, 
I'm believing for that. Somebody's out there anointed to help me get out of debt. Somebody's anointed to help me take care of this building and get it totally debt free. <laughs> Hallelujah. And just whatever we need. I'm not being selfish. I stay on the giving side of life. I just, my whole attention's on my sowing. Don't brag it on that, but if you get like that, you won't be long. The harvest will start split, coming up in all kinds of places. Why? Wow, I just got this acreage. Yeah, but there's something coming up there, and there's something over there coming. Oh, my gosh. Well, I never get nothing like that. See, you're talking wrong. I wish it could be that way for me. Well, it won't with you talking like that. You wish it could be that way. for No, it won't be that because you wish it. You're going to have to say it. I say I have abundance and no lack. That doesn't mean everything that I don't owe anybody anything. Come on. But I'm saying I have abundance and no lack. I've been saying that for 15 years. Come on. <laughs> Amen. I have abundance and no lack. Yes. Somebody's anointed to help me. I got in some trouble financially uh, with the building here when we built this new extension. And Oh, my Lord. I said, Father, I need your help. And I had to, I had to call somebody and talked to him. I owed some money to it's the first time in my ministry I ever had to do that ever in 38 years call somebody and tell them you know sir I can't pay you but I'm not a cheap rate liar as a preacher and if you'll give me a little time I will pay you sir can you do that he said I'm going to give you 90 extra days no interest or anything I said alright and you know that all came to pass doctor helped me he was here one of those Sundays and, and then other thing and then the guy that didn't come to my church stuck an envelope in my door of my church for $43,600 and came back the next Sunday and gave another check for $12,500 because I prayed for him Not I didn't hardly know the guy I, I wrote him a thank you not a mushy one but just thank you for helping us you probably because he hadn't been here in a year you probably didn't know that I was had some needs here and this helped take us somewhat out of that and the day he got my letter and I said, I believe for God to multiply your seed sown. He gave $43,600, and the check didn't bounce. And he came back the next Sunday, and on my answer machine when I got home, he gave another twelve five. And the reason he gave the twelve five, he said, today I got your letter, Pastor Jacobs, thanking me for the check, the first check. Uh, my company I work for, on the same day that you sent the letter saying, I'm believing for you to God multiply your seed so on. I got a bonus check for $120,000. Woo! He said, I told my wife, we got to tithe on that to Dr. Jacobs. <laughs> it's quite a story. It's all on that tape. And it's not just about money, it's about other things too. You know, my daughter had a tumor in her brain recently, and that was another story. And and God, you know, just moved us through that, moved her through that, gave us a premier surgeon. But we give Jesus all the glory. But I wrote him last week and thanked him because I think he should be thanked. And uh, my daughter, here she is. And she's continuing to gain strength and be whole and be normal. And praise God, we won't even mention what they said could have happened because it didn't happen. <laughs> Somebody is anointed to help us. Look here what our words can do. Here, Proverbs 15, 4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach or a rip in the spirit. 
in the spirit. In other words, perverse, it doesn't mean somebody's talking nasty or dirty. Perverseness means it's twisted. It's not lined up with the word. That's what that means. Let me show you from Ecclesiastes 10 and 8 what happens when a person talks contrary to the things of God. It causes a breach or a rip in the spirit. You remember the book of Job said, well, he's hedged in on every side. But when you talk wrong, you open gaps up. And this is what Ecclesiastes 10 says, He that diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent, shall bite him. See, sometimes we're doing things and saying things. Proverbs says, uh, you know, uh, moving his lips, certain people bring evil to pass. We don't want to be like that. And it says, if you're thinking foolishly in your mind, put a hand over your mouth. You won't let it get out. You know, sometimes you'll have a thought, and it'd be not really good at all. Well, don't speak it out. Just say, no, in Jesus' name, that's not my thought. I rebuke it or however you need to deal with it, but don't let it come out of your mouth. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let's go over to the book of uh, John in the New Testament. I'm just about done. I wanted to share with you, though, Jesus is our example. He's our example. In, in John 12, I'm going to show you how he talked, what he said about himself. John 12, verse 49 and 50. And then we're going to go to another verse in a minute and we'll see what that caused to happen for him because he learned how to talk right. I said he learned how to talk right. Hallelujah. It says in John 12, verse 49, Jesus speaking, I have not spoken of myself. Isn't that interesting? But the Father which sent me, He gave me a commandment or His word, what I should say and what I should speak. What I should say and what I should speak. I mean, the Bible's full of things. And we don't have to convince everybody else. You know what I mean. You understand what, when you're having a conversation with a carnal person, you, you're not required just to correct everybody. Nobody put you on the confession police patrol, did they? You'll get in a fight with people doing stuff like that that don't like the confession. But what we understand is we know what we should say, what we should speak. I didn't stand up in the doctor's office and said, you're full of the devil and I'm not coming back. I don't care what. You know, that's crazy. I just listened to him. We said, well, well thank you, doctor, for you know, your, your part in this. We believe that uh, everything will be all right. And then we left and we didn't get in a big. But when we got uh, privately, then I used my faith and released my words. Hallelujah. And there's a lot of people in there before I ever got there, not the guy I'm talking about, but his partner, Dr. Hyman. He, when I went to see him, he knew I was a Pentecostal preacher. He said, you're not going to tell me how to do my job, are you? He was serious. He was rough. I said, no, I didn't come to tell you anything, except hopefully we can get along. I've, heard, I've had good reports about you. He'd run into some weirdos. And, they, and he would tell them something, and they'd want to fight him, argue and fuss and... I said, you're not going to get that from me. I'm not going to be in strife. I'm going to have a healthy baby. <laughs> That's my goal, a healthy baby and a safe delivery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Jesus here said, God showed him what to say and what he should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Now let's go to John 14 real quick. And let's look at this here. John 14, how did, that, how did that put him instead with the Father? And how did that put him in relationship to the devil? Because he would only say what the Father said. I don't know who said this. It might have been 
Charles Caps years ago, but I think it's a good saying. He said, when you start learning about confession, you might not have nothing to say for two or three weeks. Because you really start realizing how much you're talking fear, doubt, and unbelief. And, uh, you know, praise God. I remember one time I was with Dr. Dufresne. I made a comment, and, and, and I shouldn't have made, you know, can't afford something. And doctor corrected me, which I pre- he said, what'd you say? And I said, I couldn't afford it. And I, it was in a different context with speeding ticket and something else, you know. I didn't get a speeding ticket anyway. But, but, but he, he, you were with me, and, you just, and he was making a point, don't ever say I can't afford it. Preached to us for about 20 minutes. Pastor Simons was with us. And we went up the escalator over at the store to get you some. I was buying you something for your mission trip. (laughs) And we got it. And we said to each other after that, we said, we're not going to say that again. Not because he corrected me, but because he was right. You know, I've learned a lot from doctor. He said, if you think you don't, you know, he told me one time, you think, you know, you don't deserve it. You couldn't go in that store. Go in there and... uh, Look at something. Lay on the marble until you can believe it. And I did. The Von Marr store over there used to be Jacobson's, which is about Nordstrom's level. And my gosh, I, pay, I didn't pay that much for a suit that they charged for a tie. But I, I went over there and got out of my car. It was just a dare thing almost with me. I went in with fear and trembling. I didn't feel like I belonged there. Maybe J.C. Penney. And I, I walked in there and just looked at their ties, tried on a pair of shoes, couldn't afford any of it. Went and used their bathroom. I said, man, this is a nice bathroom in here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Real toilet paper and everything. Kleenex. My God. You go to Sears, you don't get that. You know that. <laughs> I'm not making fun of the store. But see, I was learning that I was so hemmed in. And he understood that about me when he first met. I was hemmed in in a lot of areas. He was patient with me. Got me unhemmed. Yeah, I took the stitches out. You know, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that says, Out of prison he cometh to reign like a king. I just feel like that's what's happened to me by hanging around doctor and others that are connected with him. Not that I'm a big shot. I don't mean it that way. But see, the devil wants to... See, what is that? That's insecurity. That's fear. That's demeaning. You feel like you don't belong. You belong in the throne room. My God, if you belong there, you belong anywhere. You don't have to buy something there, but you've got every right to walk the aisle and do what you like to do. Praise God. Get that, un- that thing out of you that hems you in. Amen. Woo! Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many plane rides I was on until Mike Mullen, used to be my youth pastor, took me in the crown room. I didn't even know they had rooms like that. Real furniture. Somebody serving you peanuts in a, in a lounge here, you know, for free. I went in the bathroom, couldn't believe the toilet paper was that nice. Excuse me for being personal, but it just affected me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm trying to get this out. I'm about done here. Look at this in, in John 14, verse 30. I'm reading from the Amplified. This is what talking the Word will do to you and put you in a position. Jesus said, I will not talk with you much more for the prince... The evil genius, the ruler of the world is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power over me. (laughs) You know, that's what a right confession coupled with your faith 
will do to you. It gets you in a position where you understand the devil doesn't have any claim on you whatsoever. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.